Hi, everyone. Welcome to List Talk Recovery and Family Podcast. Glad you could join me today. If you're new, uh, thanks for showing up. I appreciate it. Um, if you're returning, thank you so much as well. I'm glad uh, um, that someone is getting some stuff out of uh, this podcast. Uh, I think it really, really works well um, in giving some lessons um, for the alcoholic addict and, and, and also some insight um, for the family because I try to address some of what I think their questions uh, might be. So anyway, glad you're here. Also, don't forget to hit that support button if you feel like you are gaining some insight and this is helping you some. Uh, feel free to contribute or donate whatever you think is you can. Uh, anything helps me keep uh, my equipment up to date and working functionally, right? You don't like this stuff to get glitchy. Technology is really such a pain. That is for sure. So anyway, again, glad you're here. Real quick, I got to get this uh, thought off my off my chest. You never know what people have gone through minutes before you run into them. And it's difficult uh, when people I see out in public twisting off on other people when you don't know what life has brought to them up until that very moment. Um, I thought about it because I was behind a car uh, that was making a right turn behind the car in front of it, which was making a right turn. And there was an entrance uh, a left-hand turn into a laundromat parking lot almost immediately. He made the turn. It's probably 50 feet, I guess, maybe. Um, and the person in front of me, I could see the hand gestures and, the you know, the head bobbing. They were getting frustrated with why that person turned the corner and then sort of almost made this abrupt stop. Well, she did have traffic coming. We had traffic coming at us, and she had to wait for that to clear. Uh, before she could make that left-hand turn into a laundromat parking lot. And it's just really crazy to me that people for no reason can 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 lose their cool over situations like that. I mean, this could have been a single mom, right? It could have been a single mom with one kid, two kids, three kids in the car uh, with no place to go do laundry except for spending her last few dollars in that laundromat so she can keep clean clothes on her kids, you know, you don't ever know. I may be off base with that. I don't know the lady either, right? Um, so it could be that she's just fine and just chooses to use a public laundromat. I don't know. But that's my point. You don't ever know what somebody has gone through um, just minutes before you run into them. So take that into consideration when you find somebody frustrates you in traffic because Road rage is a thing. It's just unbelievable, unbelievable. Anyway, um, let's take let's talk about um, a few old school drugs. A couple of these um, were used a lot more, and they were a lot more popular in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. Um, and I'm talking about psychedelics and hallucinogens. A couple of those things that are older that you don't hear much of, uh, it's like LSD, right? Different groups of psychedelic and hallucinogenic drugs um, that share certain properties. And some of them were the same back then, uh, somewhat. A um, couple of those that were, I guess, primary back in the day were like LSD. There was uh, amphetamine-related 
uh, psychedelics. Uh, we'll go into those a little bit too. And there was PCP, right? And of course, the all favorite um, that people don't like to discuss outside the realm of how healthy or good it is for you is marijuana. Yeah, marijuana. Psychedelic and hallucinogenic drugs often have some stimulant or depressant effect. However, these drugs primarily affect the user's thinking and senses, right? These drugs temporarily change the way people understand and experience the world around them. I think the one big story that's always popular is about the person who's chasing yellow butterflies and end up being a school bus that got ran over by, um, you know, people hallucinate on some of these drugs and you don't ever know what it is they're going to see. So, um, but the effects can be unpredictable. That's the scary thing about it. Unpredictable. And the same person will have different experiences with the same drug and dosage. So even though they, let's take this old school drug LSD. All right. They use a certain amount and they have this one super high euphoric hallucinogenic type um, reaction. Right. And maybe that particular time it was something pleasurable. I don't know. Uh, let's just say for the sake of the conversation, it was something pretty cool. Rainbows and stars and bright lights and unicorns. Heck, I don't know. But let's say the next time they use it, it doesn't go so well. It doesn't go so well. And that happens in some cases, right? Um, as I said, you don't see LSD or PCP that often anymore. Of course, you know, they're old school drugs, old school forms of narcotics, but some of that is because, unfortunately, there are more newer, more potent things out there, right? And some of those things can be pretty darn scary. Um, and as we go, we'll touch base on those too, right? The thing is, um, some factors, um, the amount of a psychedelic drug taken will affect the user's experience. The psychedelic drug experience is intensely influenced by other factors. Keep that in mind. These include the user's surroundings, previous experiences, and expectations, right? Not all of those experiences would you consider to be pleasurable, I guess, and for the sake of being high and hallucinating, and hallucinating right? We don't know. We don't know. Some uh, are influenced, they're influenced by many factors, right? They heighten feelings and senses. They distort senses and the ways people feel and think, right? They're pretty tricky. They're pretty tricky. Hallucinogens, you've not ever tried them, I would suggest that you don't, right? Psychedelic drugs can heighten feelings and senses if users feel scared or insecure, their drug experience may be frightening and cause panic. I think they just kind of go with whatever flow you're already in. They can cause panic. 
Um, some people's attitudes and emotional states may make the difference between a good trip or a bad trip. It kind of depends on, I guess, their mood or what their attitude is at the time of usage. Some psychedelics, such as PCP, can produce a very negative experience even if the drug user is emotionally stable and in a good mental state, I guess. So you don't don't necessarily have to be already dealing with mental health issues, right? But it is just nuts that people out there who are already dealing with brain chemistry issues, mental health issues, put all these sorts of drugs and chemicals in the brain, right? It's like, what kind of sense does that make? But what sense does heavy drug use make anyway, right? I'm sure family members are thinking that. What sense does it make to do it at all? Well, unless you've experienced it, it's difficult to really explain that sort of thing. Psychedelic drugs distort the senses in a number of ways and can produce powerful hallucinations. Psychedelic drugs may also distort the way a person feels and thinks, often making his or her thinking seem crazy, right? Kind of all over the place. These drugs will also distort a person's sense of time, the world, and his or her body and identity. It can cause just sort of some mass brain confusion, hysteria, right? It's just those things that these kind of drugs are designed to do. Uh, and they can be very dangerous, very dangerous. Um, and you never know what the end result is going to be uh, as you use those. As I said, every trip can be different, right? Every trip can be different. Um, I love this question in the Living in Balance curriculum. As I was pulling some of this stuff together, I noticed that one of the questions actually says, have you ever had a bad trip? I get it, family members. You're not going to understand. Well, what would be a good one if you're using drugs, right? I get it. I get it. Um, but some of the ones that we would consider bad trips uh, would be the more dangerous type things um, that bring the hysteria, right? The panic, the anxiety, right? Uh, making bad decisions, which the using was a bad decision to begin with, right? But, you know, kind of like the one I, I, I just mentioned about the person who was supposedly chasing a yellow butterfly and ended up running out in front of a yellow school bus, right? Those are the kinds of things that this question would be referring to. Let's talk about this one, amphetamine-related psychedelics. Another group of psychedelic drugs is called mescaline. You'll have to Google that. Uh, mescaline is a natural occurring chemical found in the peyote cactus. Although mescaline itself occurs naturally, there are synthetic drugs with similar properties. Everybody knows what peyote is, right? Uh, it's really good in the Native American culture. Um, I think they use it in sweats and that kind of thing. Um, part of their spiritual uh, um, interaction uh, with each other and a spiritual 
sort of customs that they exercise. Recently, the most popular drug in this group has been MDMA, known as ecstasy, right? Ecstasy has been a pretty popular drug. It's a party drug, right? Ecstasy, X as it's known, um, or XTC as another name. Other drugs in this category, such as MDMA or M MDA, MMDA, um, there's DOM, not sure what that one uh, is, are also used um, and may be sold as ecstasy. These drugs um, have the properties of both psychedelic and stimulant drugs. So you get a twofer, two for one, dangerous, dangerous. The second M in MDMA, right, is uh, methylindeoxy. <laughs> You'll have to look that up, the whole word. Uh, methamphetamine. The chemical name for ecstasy stands for methamphetamine. So it is part of the amphetamine family. So, you know, if anybody's using ecstasy, right, it's not a good thing. Not a good thing. And family members, feel free again. There's a message button. If you have questions, don't hesitate to ask. Um, I really just want to be able to bring this to the forefront of everyone's mind. One, the alcoholic and addict. I'm hoping by listening and maybe gaining some insight on some of the details I share, maybe, maybe you'll go into your first stint at treatment, your first episode, I don't know. Um, if you've had a couple, maybe you'll go back, right? You got to keep trying. You got to keep trying. Um, it's just very important. And family members, you got to keep supporting. I know it is just tiring. It is just tiring, especially if your addict family member is stealing from you. But as soon as they truly feel like they got nothing, things will get even worse. Things will get even worse. So stay available uh, as much as possible. Okay. And let's see. Next one. Don't hate me for this one. Um, I'm just providing some education on what this stuff is. And now I'm going into the THC, the marijuana, right, and the marijuana family. Yes, it's considered to be in some of the psychedelic sort of stuff. So, and don't, um, right, like I said, don't hate me. Some people really get uh, twisted when you get on the marijuana use and their CBD use, which, you know, I told you way back in the beginning of this podcast that I really do feel like uh, there can be some medicinal reasons for using marijuana I mean you you cannot you cannot it, it's amazing what is done for cancer patients right you can't balk at that and it's just time and time and time again right the tricky thing is a lot of the people out there using it don't have any of those sorts of symptoms or medical history that would justify the use. That's the thing. 
I'm not sure I ever shared this story, but it's working in MAT, right, at a methadone clinic in Oregon, and I had two different clients. And this is the day that it came full circle for me, and I'd already been there a couple of years. And I guess the only reason it stood out that particular day is because I had these two clients back to back. One client I had come in, we're, we're talking about some of his right concerns, his drug use, some of the consequences in his life, some of the losses in his life, right? And uh, But this guy could describe to me a lot of the medical reasons for why he uses CBD, right? He's got, he's going to talk about this strand, that strand, how much more CBD this strand had versus that one, how these two was a combination or a good blend of both, right? He had this, what I considered recovery verbiage, right? Recovery verbiage. He's talking about its healing properties and its helping properties, okay? Now, the next guy that comes into my office, great guy, right? No no pressing issues as far as need for marijuana, no history of cancer, did have a little bit of an anxiety disorder. I could give him that, right? Sometimes some people um, with high anxiety uh, tend to use um, CBD products. But this guy... I began to, based on my last conversation, asking about this strand or that strand and which works better, right? And his words to me were, oh, it doesn't matter to me what strand it is, man. I'm just trying to be high and comfortable and relax and not feel anxious. Well, any marijuana could do that, right? Any marijuana could do that. So this guy, although he's in treatment, for his opiate use, his opiate addiction, the addict brain in this guy was still working in overtime, right? I think in a previous couple of previous sessions, we talked about drug switching, right? Um, I don't know that he was switching. I think he's probably always used marijuana, but it did seem as though since he quit using heroin and pain pills, that his marijuana use went up, right? We talked about that before, too. So marijuana and drugs very similar to that, like hashish, have psychedelic, um, depressant, and even some stimulant effects. Marijuana has strong depressant effects, and it and alcohol are potentially cross-tolerant. We've talked about that in a previous session, too the different types of tolerance. People have a tolerance to alcohol, often use marijuana to stop alcohol withdrawal symptoms. We talked about that, medicating the withdrawal symptoms with other things, right? It's funny that they can't find something legal to do it with. Well, I say legal. I'm in Texas. Don't forget that I'm in Texas. Uh, If we were in Oregon, it'd be a different story. Marijuana's Uh, recreational marijuana is legal there. Um, So it's sort of a non-issue unless even in Oregon you can abuse marijuana. You can be dependent 
on marijuana. And if you've been a heavy smoker for a while and you don't believe me, just do the 30-day challenge. I challenge you to not smoke pot for 30 days. Just try it and see how it goes, right? Marijuana also has some stimulant effects, such as increasing heart rate. Although it promotes sleep in most people, it may cause insomnia in some others. Again, depending on the person. At low doses, marijuana may cause feelings of happiness, comfort, relaxation, followed by a drowsiness. Mentioned, right? I just said it says at low doses, right? You're not doing the Cheech and Chong type of token it up, burning it up where the whole house looks like it's on fire, right? At low doses, marijuana can cause feelings of happiness, comfort, and relaxation. Ergo, the treatment for anxiety. It can also cause <laughs> an increase in heart rate, muscle weakness, some loss of physical. Um, coordination, right? Some say I drive better whether I'm drinking or smoking a little pot, baloney. All right, S some loss of physical coordination, slight shakiness, increased appetite, and dry mouth. Right? Some of those things um, are the same sort of symptoms across the board. And it's just one of those things. Just one of those things. Right? So. Um, in high doses, marijuana can produce severe LSD-like changes in a person's senses and thoughts. Let me repeat that. At high doses, marijuana can produce severe LSD-like changes in a person's sense, senses and thoughts. At such doses, some users have Severe anxiety. Uh-oh. Just the opposite. Just the opposite of what the low dose does. Right? They can have severe anxiety, very rapid heart rate, panic attacks, paranoia. Man, they can be paranoid. They can have paranoid thoughts and frightening hallucinations. What? Marijuana can cause some people to have frightening hallucinations? No way. Not the all-natural herb. Yes, it's very true. Very true. And I'm sorry, marijuana enthusiasts, just because you may not have experienced these things, it can happen. Marijuana, like PCP, stays in the body longer than most drugs because it is stored in fat cells. Because of this, marijuana can accumulate in the body for weeks and months. When people smoke marijuana on a daily or frequent basis, the drug never leaves the body. Never leaves the body. Hope you're hearing that. Somebody who wants to stop on Monday, party all week, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, toked it up, stop on Monday because they got a UA to do on Tuesday, not happening. Not happening. That's the other thing about marijuana. Is even for those states that it's legal. There are still a lot of employers. Who adhere to federal level. Right? Federal level laws in regards to hiring, not hiring. That kind of thing. 
And so even if it's legal in your state, it's still hindering you from moving up, from moving forward. You can't get the good jobs. Right? That's what I was describing to this one cat that I had this conversation with uh, that I mentioned at at the clinic. It's like, I know you like smoking pot, man. I know it's legal here, but it still holds you back. Because most employees or employers worth working for still do drug tests. Still do drug tests. You can't be surprised by the fact that you can't find the job that you want or get the job you keep applying for. Because one, remember, you didn't go show up for the UA. Mm -hmm. That happens. That happens, right? It accumulates in the body for weeks and months. When people smoke marijuana on a daily or frequent basis, the drug never leaves the body, and at least not until they have stopped for a month or possibly more. For a month or possibly more. Right? Sorry about that, marijuana guys. I know that um, that uh, probably was not good news. But it happens. You need to stay informed on all this stuff. You know, some of this stuff you can find on the internet. Um, they tell you not to go looking for medical answers on the on the internet, and I strongly suggest that you don't do that um, because you can end up having a whole list of stuff um, that you weren't prepared for. So it's kind of crazy, kind of crazy. Two primary groups of depressants are the sedative hypnotics and the opioids. Depressants slow the nervous system, which causes behavior and other thoughts to slow down as well, right? So marijuana can do that too. Now, marijuana is one of those, that's why they use it, especially people with PTSD. I saw that a lot. I don't knock it. You know, I guess it took me a little while to come around. And these two guys, like as I said, probably because I had them in in session back-to-back, is why it stood out, is why it stood out. Um, And I could see the need. Um, But if you don't have any of those things, anxiety, and of course people can lie about that, PTSD, cancer concerns, right? Um, Then you might just be another addict. You might just be another addict. If you're only changing your mood, but you can't handle life on life's terms, right? A crying kid gives you anxiety. That don't count. That don't count. There are a million moms out there that tolerate crying babies. Um, And it's just one of those things that you just have to be careful and weigh it out. Weigh it out. I also mentioned um, PCP. It's, it's extremely unpredictable and dangerous. It can produce mild euphoric effects that are relatively pleasant. But that's the smoke and mirrors of it. It often causes rubbery feelings in the legs, impaired coordination, and the appearance of alcohol intoxication. But with the same dose and without warning, PCP can also produce frightening hallucinations, disconnections between mind and body, and break from reality. 
that's the scary thing. Can emulate or mimic a psychotic break. That's how come they used to end up in state hospitals and stuff if they got picked up by the law. And then in a couple of days, if they get to come down off the high, the regular people, and they're like, what happened? I don't know. Well, we found out. They were using PCP. So stay away from that stuff, right? Um, this break from reality may include a PCP-induced psychosis. That's what I'm referring to. In which the person becomes extremely agitated and violent. A particular problem with PC PCP is that at a very low dose may produce severe reaction, while a large dose may produce a mild one. Again, it's unpredictable. There is no safe dose of PCP. Keep that in mind. Not that you're going to run out and use it. Please don't do that. Don't try this at home, is, you know, the, what they say on TV. Overdoses can also cause convulsions, coma, and death. Like marijuana, PCP is stored in fat cells and allow PCP to accumulate in the body for an extended period of time, which means it can come back. You start burning up fat cells, and all of a sudden, you're having some sort of psychotic break, right? It's just those, it's dangerous. So anyway, hope you got something out of today's session. Again, I appreciate you guys. And if it's raining where you're at, like it is in Texas, uh, try to stay dry. Until next time, we'll see you guys. Uh, be good.